We also have a Women's Bay Brunch, May 15th, 830. Um, We've done this event a couple times um, at the Bay, Alamitos Bay. Um, It'll be a bit of like a a brunch and hanging out outside at at the Bay. So definitely bring a towel uh, or a chair and, and join them for that. Uh, besides that, we also have uh, our youth midweek is starting up, and, and we're going to kind of, you know, step into this a little bit slower, uh, so we're going to be starting um, once a month for right now. It's going to be May 5th at 7 p.m. will be the first youth gathering here on campus midweek. Very excited about that. That's, uh, that's Cinco de Mayo. Well, they're mm-hmm. going for it, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, you can find more information on that um, coming up, but, but definitely something to consider uh, if you've got a uh, junior high or high schooler who wants to be a part of that. Um, that is it, Ryan. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Chad. Good morning. How are you? I love that word, awesome. That's great. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful day, and man, it's so good to see everybody here today, and hello to everybody on the courtyard, and then also to anybody watching online. Mom, love you. My mom's from Michigan watches the services and then gives me, you know, like notes of what to do next time. Anybody a mother like this? No? Man, well, let's pray and let's get started. I have a lot of stuff I want to get to and go through, and I'm very excited about this topic in particular. We're in a series uh, on, the, on the Holy Spirit. We really titled, uh, you know, The Spirit, and we want to take this, you know, extended period of time over several weeks. Uh, this will be our third message on the Holy Spirit. If you've just jumped in, uh, this is actually going to be a topic, so it won't feel like you need to be connected all the way through, and most of the sermons will be like that because they're going to just focus on a facet of the Holy Spirit. You know, though, like we've said it at the very first message, the, the Holy Spirit is, um, uh, un- unfortunately, not necessarily always spoken of or talked about in church in the way that I believe God would want the Spirit to be represented uh, through Scripture. Um, You know, I said this term, I was a little nervous to say it, but in in a lot of ways, over the years, if not centuries, the Holy Spirit's work in the church almost felt like it was, uh, the Holy Spirit itself was excommunicated from the church. But the power of the church the, the, the God's physical presence, the Holy Spirit, is what empowers the church, drives the church, and really is the movement of the church. And so, it, it, it ultimately, when we don't recognize the power of the Spirit, we don't lean into the working of the Spirit, and God's presence working currently and actively right now through the Spirit, we might miss even just the boldness we can walk in, in the Spirit, as we are not just going out into the world evangelizing, but what, what a church, Spirit-led, spirit filled with the Spirit church, does in the midst of a world and a culture that needs that empowerment more than ever. So let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. God, we thank you so much just for, uh, like Jesus said, sending the Helper to be with us, to guide your very presence everywhere we are. And God, I just ask that as we're in this message today, that our hearts hear and resonate with your scripture being read, that the Spirit itself, ours, bears witness with the Holy Spirit on these matters. And God, I just ask that um, for many of us who have sought questions Um, needing answers to 
big things in life to small things in life, who have needed guidance, who have needed help, who have wanted to know how to rightly discern a matter. God, I thank you that this is one of the attributes that the Holy Spirit is at work in each one of us. So we thank you for not leaving us alone, for not abandoning us, but God, your very presence is now more with us than ever. I ask for any person here who, who, who may put a lot of their stock in their own ability, intellect, position in life, God, that they rethink maybe how we walk in line in step with the Spirit. And God, maybe let go a little bit and let you, God, do what you do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I titled this message, uh, The Helper, and ultimately we're going to be discerning the will of God through the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a topic that I think everybody should be very interested in because we are faced with so many decisions that we have to make. Thankfully, God has given us a brain, and so we can make intellectual decisions. We can make decisions based on history and experience, but there is something else about discerning rightly, and it's the Spirit's work to do it. And this whole message, I think it's important that we learn to separate our natural ability with what the Holy Spirit is speaking within us. And so, you know, I'm going to be focusing on two major things, and we're going to go through each one of these. And I'll just say this, we're going to talk about prayer, and I'm going to talk about three different kinds that are good when we want to invite or get in step with the Spirit. And then I'm going to be talking about some practices to create a culture for discerning the Spirit. But I want to read this quote from Charles Spurgeon, great evangelist, maybe he had preached more messages on the gospel than possibly any other preacher in history. Maybe Paul, we don't know the number, but Spurgeon was a, a, a man of passion for the gospel. And a great, I mean, theologian, just a wonderful guy. And uh, he said this, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. I really like that. It's the difference between knowing what's right and almost right. Because I think when we get what's right, it separates the almost right, which can sometimes be like in our own ways, Right? So the Bible says that man knows the plans, you know, makes his own plans, but God knows the way. And I think it's easy, it, it, it is easy to go, well, this must be God because it feels like it could be God, but discernment is knowing that it is God speaking to you directly. Now, historically, in the Old Testament, God typically spoke the Spirit of God. We talked about in the first message that the Spirit of God would ultimately speak through a messenger, a, a person who would speak for the nation. Rarely did God speak just to an individual about an individual. But when Christ came and made our, our, ourselves, our body, the temple where the Holy Spirit resides, where God's presence, like the Old Testament, resides in the temple. That's where you came and communed with God, now lives inside of you. So the Holy Spirit is in your life all the time, whether you like it or not. Have you ever had a moment where 
you were going to make a decision, and maybe a decision that would yield bad fruit for you, and you feel this, don't. If I can, can I ask for a show of hands if you've ever had that? Right? We would say in some ways that's conviction. Other ways, you could say that the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, the almost right would be, well, this would be good for me. I think we could reason it through. But the discernment is no. And our maturity in our life spiritually, our decision-making in step with the Spirit will just be, be, be a life of learning to tune this part out a little bit and elevating and learning and listening. And that will come through experiences of, be, of being able to discern what is right and what is almost right. So I think Spurgeon had it right. This whole topic today... And what I want to hopefully maybe kind of bring out of Scripture is it's a tuning process to learning to discern the Holy Spirit. I would say it's a time to listen to His voice. I think that if uh, my child yells, I'll know it's my child. And how, how many moms are like this on a playground full of kids? And if you hear one kid cry, you know, that's my kid's cry, right? You know this. And you tune your ear because you're so familiar with it. And so I think it's learning to listen to his voice. It's rightly discerning me from him. That, that takes practice to do that. And it also, in a way, I didn't put this in my notes, but it takes a way of like, I think discerning when someone else is speaking to you, discerning whether this is like from the spirit or it's just from them. And, and I think there's a weight that comes with when we can parse that out on what, how serious we should take it or where we should categorize it. I would say it is knowing the difference between right and almost right, right? And it will help us see His will on the matter. Now, does the Holy Spirit help you buy the right car? I don't know. Does the Holy Spirit... Um, you know, decide whether you should go left or right? Sometimes. But I don't know exactly. You know, being in step with the Spirit is something we all have to feel out in our walk. I'm going to give you some examples today that might lead you to believe that the, the Spirit might direct you a little bit more than you think that He does. I was reading some research uh, statistics, is, and, and there's one by Pew uh, Research, and I always love some of their stats that they give out and some of the research. I have something up on the screen. Can you guys show this up on the screen? It says, um, this is a, an interesting research that was done. It says, this is how people, ultimately, they make their decisions nowadays. So when we're seeking discernment and we want to make a decision, is that 90% of, uh, 96% of adults say that they rely a lot on their own research to make big decisions. It's easier now, more than ever, to, to really ultimately make kind of right decisions, but maybe not the right decisions, right? And for most purposes, it's 46% just go right to the internet to do it, right? And you can see down here, counseling with friends, 25%. And then you can look down here when it comes to print media, people read books. Faith in religion is only four. And I think that that is mildly concerning to me because it's become easier and easier to kind of take your own decisions into your own hands. Is there another slide after this? 
All right, and so eight in 10 Americans rely a lot on their own research before making a major decision. If you look here, their own research, 81% to very little. Family, friends, 43, and then professional advice. And, and I think that it's something that we should be aware of within ourselves. I think it's okay before you make a major decision, of course, to consult the Holy Spirit from buying a home to whether you need to deal with conflict. But it's important that we are seeking out the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And so one is, I think it's hard sometimes because we will tend to put the Holy Spirit into a category and into a box and we'll just say he must function like this. But I need to kind of bring out how the Holy Spirit tends to operate and in some ways, it's going to frustrate you. So understanding the Spirit's way, I think, is the first thing we got to talk about. How does He work? How does He operate? When, think about at your job, when you have a new employee, and you're trying to inform the new employee about the boss, and you're letting them know, like, hey, you know, it's, you know he or she is a real stickler on this on time. And, and just make sure you kind of make sure that you double check all of your work. Or they want things that are very visual or they're very simple. They want very little. You're educating your fellow employee so they can have a, like a, be a part of the culture and the work environment. They're understanding their employer, Right. It's really important that we learn to do that with the Spirit, understand His ways. And I think understanding the ways of the Spirit help discern Him. Um, there's some more slides I want to put up here, We're because we're going to get into prayer. Can you throw these first ones up? <clears throat> I think they're in there. There they are. Okay. Now, when we're talking about, I, I was trying to figure out, okay, what, what's maybe part of the reason people don't like, really take the time to be in tune with the Spirit? I looked up meditation stats, you know, I looked up, you know, prayer stats, and I ended up coming across this, re, this research that was done. And, and, and this is basically this frequency of feeling spiritual peace and well-being through prayer, meaning that there's a sense that through prayer, some peace and well-being comes. And, and I like it because it broke it down into month, right? And then daily, and then yearly, and then seldom or none. But at least daily, 76% of the people who were experiencing spiritual peace were daily in prayer. Now that should say something to us. Let's see this next slide. It says, uh, success of guidance or right and wrong by frequency of prayer. And when it comes to just seeking God out in religion or in their faith, 50% of the people daily versus uh, found that they would seek right and wrong out through their religion. Philosophy and reasoning, 7%. Common sense, 35%. Science, 5%. Right? And then the numbers change over time because I think daily is easy, Long-term is more difficult to continue to trust in seeking God out. And so when we come to discerning, it is very easy, and there's a lot of tools, a lot of resources out there that really can, in a way, find some answers for us. But are they the answer? So let's look at it real quick. Um, 1 Corinthians 2, 14, when we're thinking about how does the Spirit work, it says this, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, 
for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Meaning that when we're going to discern the spirit in some ways, and probably what the scripture is saying is that some things will not make sense to you. And if we spend our whole life trying to just make sense of things before we discern or decide, we might be missing exactly what the spirit is doing. The spirit is a spiritually discerned conversation. It's a discerned relationship in that way because it's spirit. We are invited to listen ultimately beyond intellect and reason, sight and sound, but ultimately we're invited to hear and see with our hearts. Man, have you ever saw something and you just thought, my head says yes, but your heart says no? Right? Have you ever had that? And it freaks you out because you're like, why? It makes sense, but I feel pulled in this way. And I'm talking about this is a spiritual work. And you're bothered by it, and it's pulling you somewhere else, but your head says yes. And so three prayers I want us to maybe think about. And, and these are very practical. And I would maybe suggest for you is to maybe put these into practice. And in a daily way, and it's this, first one is this, pray for eyes to see what God wants to show you. <clears throat> I don't always want to see what God is trying to show me. I don't. I had a situation the other day where God was speaking to me directly, but my brain was saying no. And it, he bothered me and bothered me, and I say bothered, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I was bothered by it because my brain is like, Ryan, 100% no. This experience would tell you, Ryan, 100% no. But my heart in dealing with this person was saying, you got to deal with this. You got to do what I'm telling, telling you you need to do. And there's a moment we all have these decisions that we have to make. And you know what's funny is that I thought my time that I was going to uh, give this person and, 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 and just the resource of my life in, in other ways, I thought this could be spent better somewhere else. I, I mean, in a, in a thousand other ways. And sure enough, God just bothered me all day, all night. And then I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was trying to drown it out with like music and the podcast. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And then I did. And it's, you know, it's funny. That, that that's exactly what this person who needs to know Christ that I'm working with needed to have happen because other things were happening in their life at the exact same time that opened their eyes to God. And at the same time, this situation with me happened and I just told this person, I think God is talking to you directly. He doesn't do this very often. And for me, he doesn't do what I'm doing very often. I would pay attention to what he's trying to speak to you right now. It's serious. Sometimes, right, I may have my way, but God maybe wants to show you something that you're not seeing. So God, show me what you want to show me, God. I'm open. First Samuel 6, 17. This is a great passage. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't look when he's going to appoint a king, right? Samuel's looking at who would be the best leader, who's got, you know, who's got uh, that confidence everybody likes, who is you know, kind of the top 10 it person. He's saying, don't look to the, uh, his appearance or his height or his stature. Because God says, like, I've rejected him. But for the Lord sees not as 
mankind sees. He sees differently. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so it's good to understand the Spirit this way. When we're talking about understanding His way and how He operates, is that He will never look at the outward things that mankind values. We will not make decisions based on those things. We, and, and, and he may not be involved in every decision, but in, in some decisions, he will not make them based on, oh yeah, check, 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 check. This is what we all accept. This is what culture deems is important. That's the decision that I make. It's really important to know that. I think Jesus at the woman at the well is a great example. John chapter 4 he is on his way with his disciples to go to Galilee, which is part of a prophecy fulfillment. And, but he does something that people in that day in Israel did not do often, especially if you were religious, is that you would take the direct route and end up where the woman at the well is versus you would go down and through another city and take a longer route. It wasn't common. I'm sure the disciples were asking him, like, hey, we don't go through Samaria. Like, it's kind of like we don't want to encounter those people. And there, it was a bigoted way of thinking. It was a separatist way of thinking that Jesus, he's Jesus. He does not think that way. Nothing will deter Jesus from the mission God has for him. Not even cultural norms that cause the separation. He goes right to the person. And so he's going down. He takes the road less traveled. And when he sits down, the disciples see him sitting with her. And they're like, why are you speaking to this woman? And, and there's a lot around the story, but I'll say this, that she's out there getting water by herself, which women of, of that era did not do, in the middle of the day, which they did not do. And she's had multiple husbands, which was de definitely frowned upon. And she's, and she's a, Samar a Samaritan. And which was even more frowned upon. And his disciples were perplexed, like, why are you even speaking to this woman? But what they saw as an outcast with their own eyes, what they judged with what culture gave them a lens to do, Jesus saw an evangelist who was going to bring a revival to the city and invite Jesus in to preach for days and days. We can't always know exactly with our mind and our intellect, what the Spirit is doing. He may be doing something different, but we got to pray, God, show me what you want me to see. The second prayer is this, is prayer for the courage to obey His leading. God is going to ask you, if you're open, to do some things <clears throat> that you do not want to do to go places you do not want to go, to cross lines, uh, you know, that w culture would say don't cross, that you don't want to cross. But it, he'll ask you to do something hard. And, it, and I'll just say, pray God, give me the courage when you speak to me to do it. Because we can back out all the time. The Spirit is not going to sit there and, and just chastise you and, and, and just make this impossible for you. He'll let you do it and back out. But pray for the courage to do it because I think when it comes to the Spirit's work, you're going to need some guts. Got to have some guts to do it. Acts 9.10, this is a great example of it. The Lord said to uh, him in a vision, Ananias. Now Paul, who was Saul, who was going around locking up Christians, was the most zealous person to stop the Christian movement, which they thought was a movement of heresy, and they wanted to get rid of it quickly. And they thought it would be a threat also to Israel. 
And he was so passionate, and, and, and he it was emboldened to, even if it took murder, he was going to do it. And he has this moment with Christ. You know the story, Acts chapter 9, and he, his life changes instantly. He's like blinded, and he's like, God, I'll do whatever you want to do. Now, God then speaks to someone who has courage. And he says this, Ananias, he's, to Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. That's the first thing someone who wants to tune into the Spirit will say, here I am, Lord. I'm here. What do you need? And the Lord said to him, rise, go to the street called straight into the house of Judas. Look, at him, uh, look for a man of Tarsus named, uh, sorry, named Saul, for behold, he is praying and he has seen a vision a man named Ananias come, coming and laying hands on him that, uh, so he might regain his sight. Now listen to this. This is uh, Ananias's kind of, this is his but God. Ananias said, but, but Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done uh, to your saints at Jerusalem. And there, has, there he has authority from the chief priest to, to bind all who call on your name. And now listen to God's butt. I capitalized it all. God's butt's bigger than Ananias' butt. And he says in verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. Wow! Can you imagine this in your own life? What Ananias must be feeling is like, if I go meet with this guy, he could instantly lock me up because I'm going to confess that I'm a believer and my life could be in danger. But Ananias, encouraged and trusting God, knew that God must be right. And he was. We're grateful for his sacrifice because Ananias instructed him and helped him and, and uh, led him into the church. But I would say this, that the more we say yes, the clearer his voice is to us and we begin to see what he sees. I was talking to a guy here, they were filming a TV show or a commercial or something and one of the drivers came over while I was uh, up on a ladder putting these sails up over here and, and I was like so beat and so tired and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And we're talking and he goes, I said, oh yeah, I, have so I go, it almost feels impossible to get these right. And he goes, don't say it's impossible. And I was like, okay. And he's like, nothing's impossible. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this guy's a believer. And so we're having this conversation. He's like, there's nothing's impossible with the Lord, you know. And I was like, oh, I, I go, you're a believer. And he's like, I am a believer. I, go, I am too. And we're having this long conversation. And he preached a great message while I was on that ladder for 30 minutes. <laughs> and in my head, I'm hearing God say, have this conversation. Don't do what you want to do, which is like, hey, I'm really busy. I got to do this. My leg hurts. I don't know. And I had all these reasons. And then he was also feeling like he was led to come talk to me as somebody just, you know, putting up these sales. He didn't know who I was. And we're having this conversation. And then I heard a great sermon. It was very, it was very inspiring and from his life and his, his childhood and his change. And I just said, you know, I said, in this conversation, I, I felt like God saying, do this. And, I, and, and so I just want to be a yes man for God. And he's like, that's how I feel. Anytime I, if I feel like God's leading me anywhere, I'm going to say yes. And the more yeses we say, the more God will bring someone your way in front of you. He wants faithful people who will ultimately have the courage. 
The third prayer is this, is pray for trust when he says no. Oh, I can probably talk to the singles in here. Have you ever loved someone so much, but God says no? You're like, God, he would just make the most beautiful babies with me. Have you ever had that? Oh, he checks all the boxes. And then God's like, no, that's hard. Especially when everything seems yes. Have you ever had, got a job opportunity and God's saying no, but you're, everything's saying yes, and you can check all the boxes and it makes sense? He might be saying no for a reason, and, some, and then we've taken that job, and we realize quickly that God was right. You have to trust when he says no, and it's really hard, because we always feel like the Spirit's yes, 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 yes. Go do, go do, go do. But sometimes in our doing, we have to say no, because he's saying no. Even if it's doing good, now listen, if, and I can in my job justify everything that I'm doing even though it's not good. I can be like, I, I, you know, I need to work so many hours away from my family, which I did for a short period of time, and my wife let me know that's not going to fly or she's going to fly. So like that was very clear to me. And, she, and I just felt like I'm doing good. And at the same time, I knew God speaking to me, and, and, and I just kept ignoring him because he was like, no. And I would just take so many opportunities because I thought, well, I'm doing your work, God. And there are times when doing good isn't necessarily doing what God wants to do and wants to use you for in some situations. In this great passage in Acts 16, God literally, the Spirit, stopped them from doing a good thing to go do a better thing. And it didn't make sense, right? Paul and the team, they're on their way. Their momentum is happening. And they want to go towards this region in Asia Minor. And it makes sense because Paul's a, a strategy guy in, in the Bible. You can see he's very much into, into, into strategic type of thinking. And in his mind, it's like, okay, there's lots of synagogues. There's a large population of, of Jews there. They'll understand the background context when I start to share about Christ and this sacrifice and this new life. And the Spirit stops them right in their tracks and brings them to a region like Galatia, Galatians, like brings him there where it's a group of Gauls, like these people that Rome defeated, they settled there and they were brutish and they were tough to deal with and they were out, outlandish in ways and he's going to head there to a people who are in a foreign land essentially or under occupation and don't have an identity anymore. Paul wants to go ultimately to Ephesus, but it, God sends him to Galatians to establish those churches first in the region. So check out what happens here. This is, ultimately, this is a good idea, but it's not really a God idea. And so Acts 16, it says, And they went through the region uh, of Phygia and Galatia and have been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to uh, Messiah... Wow. And attempted to go to uh, Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them, meaning they were resisted in their good work. And so your prayer should be, God, help me trust you when you say no. It's so hard to do, even if it feels right. Going back to Spurgeon, there's almost right and there's right. And they listen. And another thing this tells you 
is that they were literally in step with the Spirit day by day. Where he told them to go, they went. They were in the direction. He said, no, 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 not the way you think, Paul. I know you want to go to Ephesus. We're going this way first. And you know what about those people, those Gauls? They became some of Paul's favorite co-laborers. They literally, when he was having an affliction in his eye, they said they, they would tear their own eye out if they could and give it to him. These people were, some of, some of Paul's greatest times were there and some of the greatest people within the church at that time. So I'll say this, ultimately, if, if these three prayers, I'll put them up on the screen. Pray for eyes to see what God wants to show you. Pray for the courage to obey his leading and pray for trust when he says no. And I'll finish this little part right here before we get into the next is this, is that the Spirit of God, you have to understand this greater context of how the Spirit of God works. If you wonder if the Spirit knows best, let me just read this passage. This is an amazing piece of scripture. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 13. But but as it is written, no eye has seen nor ear has heard. These are all the sensory things. Nor heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I feel like that scripture applies to that situation I was in three weeks ago. I didn't, I couldn't have prepared for what God did on the other end and what he maybe is still doing. And maybe I'm just a piece of that and someone, someone else is another piece of that. But I could never have thought my way versus God's way sometimes is just ridiculous. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, meaning the Spirit knows the very depths of God, if you, the Trinity work here, meaning that if you want to know God, you've got to know the Spirit's voice. For he knows a person's thought, for who, sorry, who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him, right? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Very important to tune into the spirit. It said that we might know and understand the things freely given, given us by God, and we impart this in word taught <clears throat> not by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The way the Spirit works, you can never intellectualize it or figure it out. He will pull you left when you want to go right. We don't understand it always, but God seems to know what He's doing. If you believe that God knows the beginning and the end and everything in between and is very present, then you must trust the Spirit. And so praying those prayers will give you a mindset to listen when the Spirit is bringing you somewhere you didn't know you wanted to go. And then ultimately here's some practical. How do, how do we discern? Right? How do we discern? And I, I, I think this is true. A maturing spiritual life continues to seek, listen, and obey. Now you can stay as a Christian, as someone who just kind of does what they want and when it serious tragedy happens, you can go to God and go, help me, I need to discern your way. Like, like that's why over a long period of time, the prayer thing I put up on the screen, it tends to dissipate over a year, the trust in prayer, and right? But knowing that beyond a tragedy, right, that we are going to just be, in a way, maturing and growing in our life. It's not just a momentary thing, it's a lifestyle thing. This will move us from now... I want to make sure I, I say this right. 
from doing work for God to doing God's work. Do you see the difference? Doing work for God is very different than doing God's work. And so when we are doing work for God, it's a little bit in our own way. Like we're doing work for God, but it's not like necessarily an owned, in a way, passion and vision to, to like be a part of it. We could maybe punch out at times, right? It's not this ownership of it, but doing God's work. That's a very, very different thing. And so it's going to take us from learning that to doing God's work. So there's three practical things here that you can write down if you want. Um, learn to care about what God cares about. We'll find that all throughout Scripture, Jesus especially. Learn to care about what He cares about. Remember, be listening to when He says no, though, because you may see like, oh, that's compassionate. I should do that. But God's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I get it. But listen, I've got you in this moment for something else. So, so keep in tune. But learn to care about what God cares about. Psalms 119.25, the, the psalmist says, I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your statutes. Now, we'll learn a lot about what God cares about by reading Scripture. We'll learn a lot that way. But also learn from your own experience what God cares about. Right? And you might find that what he cares about might be very different than what you care about in your own life experience. The second practical thing is patiently wait on God's direction. Ooh, this is hard. Very difficult to patiently wait on his direction. Let me read this uh, Proverbs, then I'll read you some stats. Proverbs 8, uh, 32 through 36, and it says this, And now, O sons, listen to me. This is the Lord speaking in, uh, through, the, uh, through the, um, the teacher. Uh, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to what he's saying. Listen. And then he says, hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting, waiting beside my door. And whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor of the Lord. Whoever, but he who fails to find me injures himself. Ooh, that's a great piece of scripture. And I think it's hard to wait. Man, I don't like waiting. I was speeding on the way to church today, by the way. I got to confess it right now. Jeff, I'm sorry. I was speeding on the way. And uh, it, it, I was just so needing to get to where I needed to go. And I was being impatient. And I was just like reminded of this verse too. I was like, Ryan, come on, man. Just that just built in, got to get to where I got to go in a hurry. Gallup, uh, they did a, a, a kind of this little survey on patience. Are you ready for this? This is going to sting a little bit. 90% of Americans will knowingly consume an extremely hot food or drink that burns their mouth. 63% do so frequently. Of course, I've done it when the pizza comes out of the oven. Every time I'm like, why? Now I have to suffer for days. I can't wait, though. I gotta have the pizza. More than half hang up the phone after being on hold one minute or less. Oh, that's so true. We can't wait. 71% frequently exceed the speed limit to get to their destination faster. Hey, so listen, 71% of you are in the same boat as me, so I do not feel bad at all. 
Americans will binge watch an average of seven TV episodes in a single sitting. Mm, do you feel it? Oh, that's tough. But you can't wait. They make it so how they end it, you just gotta watch it. And now that you can, it's much easier. Nearly one-third of respondents age 18 to 24, sorry guys, wait less than one second before passing a slower walker. <laughs> uh, Gen Y or Gen Yers check their phones on an average of eight times when waiting to hear back from someone they've dated. Wow. Yeah. When waiting for a table, I love this one, waiting for a table at a restaurant, nearly a quarter of respondents aged 18 through 24 wait less than one minute before approaching the hostess again after wait, the waiting period is passed. <laughs> wow. It's, uh, it's been exactly 10 minutes and one uh, minute extra here, 11, so uh, we are impatient. We want things now. But God does not work like that. I mean, if you've ever met somebody who is, who, who is maybe, you know, much older than you, have you noticed that their pace slows, not just physically, how they even make decisions, the words they choose to say, how careful sometimes most can be? That comes through a practiced wisdom. That comes through seeing that life, it's long. But when you're younger, it just seems like, oh man, the end of the world's tomorrow. I got to get it done today. Patience is such an important virtue. It's a fruit of the Spirit as well. Ecclesiastes 3.11, Solomon, wisest person ever, wrote this towards the end of his life in kind of a regret of how he lived life in a way. And he says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. And there are some things you just have to let God make beautiful. You cannot jump the gun on some things. So I don't care how old you are. Patience is not something we practice in our culture. We want it now and we want it fast, but God does not work that way, right? He slow down, listen, and wait. Back to that proverb. They're waiting at the gate. They're waiting at the door. They're listening. That's how a practice, if we just patiently wait for God's direction, he might give it to you. And the last thing is this, is um, say yes to what you're discerning from God. Like we'd said earlier, I'll give you two contrasts, and then we'll close. The rich young ruler who wanted to be a disciple, who was invited to be a disciple, and Matthew the tax collector. You want to talk about a difference of yes. Let me read the rich young ruler's response when Jesus had said, Oh man, I love it that you're so spiritual. I'd love you to come be with me. Mark 10, 21, one thing you lack, Jesus said, go and sell all your possessions and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Man, what an invitation. But he was deeply dismayed by these words and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. The spirits, God through Jesus speaking directly to him saying, man, I see this thing to be right for you. Come follow me. It would have radically changed his entire life. But he just couldn't separate his mind, his desires from the Spirit's calling. He may call you to do something radical. He just couldn't say yes to it. And we all have things that maybe we'll fight the Spirit on. We have to look at those and go, what wouldn't I say yes to, God? 
That's a really good question to ask. But saying yes to what you are discerning from God. And then let's read Matthew's response. <laughs> I don't know if I could even do this. Um, I would love to have this faith. Matthew 9, 9, and Jesus passed by there, and he saw a man, Matthew, sitting in his tax booth, his whole business. And he said, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. <laughs> in light of the differences, right? It's shocking. I, I want to be more like Matthew. I want to be able to say, tell me what to do, tell me where to go, I'll do it. Right? God, God if I trust him, he'll lead me the right way. So those three, thing, those three practical things, learn to care about what God cares about, patiently wait on God's direction, and say yes to what you are discerning from God. The more you say yes, the clearer you'll hear his voice in matters. Man, um, could you guys, uh, I'm going to close for a second, but I want to put all those things on the screen, these last things right there. Let's be mindful of that when we pray right now. God, we come to you. We thank you for discernment. We thank you that you did not leave us alone. You did not uh, stand, uh, stand by. You didn't just create this world or send Christ and step back and watch us fight it out, God. You sent your spirit, our helper, our guide to bring discernment. I thank you that you are very present and very active in our life and nothing's too small for your voice to speak into and nothing's too big that your voice can't handle in our life, God. So I ask that we as a church and as individuals, God, discern better. That we learn to distinguish between almost right and right. And God, we spend those times daily with you learning to listen, learning to trust. Like Jesus said, that my, she my sheep know my voice. God, that we, we, we are tuned in to what you are speaking to us. And even when it takes courage we might not have, you give us the courage to do it anyway. So God, I ask that we rightly lean in and listen. We thank you, God, for what you have on the other side of our obedience. Who is on the other side of our obedience, God? We do not know, but you do. You know all things and you search all things. So God, help us be in step, in line with your spirit. We love you. We thank you. We're grateful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you guys stand with me and sing this last song?